RPG. I'm Richie Buzzkill. I'm here with my old friend, my old pal, my old buddy, Paul. What's up, Paul? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Um, we're just here uh, on Gen Con weekend, uh, which is a couple weekends from when this is going to get released. Uh, just hanging out here, being glad we maybe didn't choose that. But we're going to hear some more from that about that from other people, maybe before you hear this. So, hey, time is a flat circle deal with it <laughs> how you doing paul what's up how you been i'm doing great richard how you doing um you know i'm just trying to like figure out how to uh how to um you know stack more books on this bookshelf behind me i've gotten like a bunch of uh a bunch of D uh the the Spell compendiums of both the priest and the wizard spell compendiums from AD&D second edition back in my collection. I I was I was I was sorely tempted because I had lent those to a library of RPG books for the convention and then I got them back. And I'm like and I was like, the reason I got them back is I was tempted to buy them again. So <laughs> those are those are good books too. I remember when we first got those when we were playing Tui that it the the clerics could suddenly heal much better than what they could before. Yeah, because all of those dragon mags and all those adventures and everything ever produced, like someone was very thorough. I'd like to have, I'd like to hear the war story of the person that put, the people that put those together, because to get all of those all of the archive material, because I guarantee you TSR was terrible at archiving things, especially early on. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that I bet that was a long, grueling process to put those together. Probably some poor kids like, "Hey, you want to be an intern at TSR? Do I ever, sir? Good. Here's a stack of microfilm. Go through it." It's like, here is your office. It is containing every second edition product ever produced, including stuff that we may or may not have actually uh, uh, published. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> You're just gonna shove you in there. And just Organize this. <laughs> Alphabetize all the spells and just we'll put food under the door. <laughs> Shoving Doritos under the door. Yeah, just one at a time. You get one Dorito a day. Well, my bookshelf also expanded recently. After long, long wait, I finally got yes, this is real. It's not an image. I, I didn't actual... I did not I did not CGI CGI this book in. It's Swords of the Serpentine. Finally, from Pelagrine Press. Holy crap. A long-awaited pre-order Swords of the Serpentine. I'm going to be putting together a game for our Saturday night crew on that. Yeah. That'll be real interesting um, to see how that works out. Because I know we're, we're big gumshoe fans. Mm -hmm. But doing it in the sword, the, the, the fantasy swords and sorcery age will be very interesting. Because, mm -hmm. uh, so. Yeah, they, it. You know, it's not what I would call rules light system, although I will say probably about, I don't know, a third of that is the kind of cool setting. I'm not usually, as other listeners of the show, as listeners of the show may remember, I'm not usually a big fan of preset 
lore and and settings but i really like i really do like this one so we'll we'll have to do a show on that at some point and get into it well we'll 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 play it and then maybe we'll maybe it'll be the next deep dive a bit of more fun deep dive than the last deep dive that was awkward (laughs) (laughs) uh so today i i got paul on on the line we're gonna we're gonna talk about like i was just typing up topics right i'm just typing up topics trying to find out what i want to do for the year and i always i always amuse i amuse myself every year by trying to put in this this topic we're finally doing it and it's not like that hard to get to it's just the fact that like when when you put power power gaming versus uh drama top uh drama you know, top drama versus bottom power gaming, you know, it, it, it people tend to swerve away. I'm not certain why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, so it's always a definitional problem of what you mean by power gaming, what you mean by drama gaming, but I think everyone has their own way that they prefer to engage with the hobby. And sometimes they have multiple ways of wanting to engage with the hobby so I, I do think it tends to be polarizing. Like some, there are people that are like, oh, power gaming is crunchy. I don't like that. Rah, rah, rah. And then I'm, I tend to hang out with more of those people, but I'm sure the other side of it's true of like, what do you mean? There is no rules. I, I need 37 tables to tell me what happens. And what do you mean I can just make things up as I go along? So I, mean, I feel like it, it, it's, it's one of these like same thing with uh, a lot of things. It's like a spectrum of, of, mm-hmm. of, there's role playing, R O L L play, and R O L E play. And there's the spectrum of even power. If you just put power gaming on that spectrum, I believe there are people that power game in both aspects. And yeah. this, is, this is one of those things where, um, I mean, we, I, when I put this uh, question to the patrons, uh, it, it blew up in the Patreon chat. Like this is the first time in a while where there was like genuine discussion of like, what does that even mean? Where I was like, Oh, we've hit a rich vein of content here. So indeed. <laughs> um, but it drama, uh, the, the classical, uh, uh, you know, two sides of this, of a, of a spectrum was power gaming versus drama gaming. But I think that there's a couple different dimensions here, and that's why I think we need to sort this out and why we're here. So, uh, oh, in one short episode. Oh yeah. Well, I don't think. I, I, hey, if you don't think we covered the entire subject, come on the Discord and hit us up. So, <laughs> or better yet, join the Patreon and suggest a show topic. <laughs> yeah, and ask questions because we've got a bunch of questions from the patrons. Um. We're, I mean, I'm just going to hit one right off the top and then we'll see when we get to the next one, which was, uh, uh, tacky. I never say his name out loud. It's T A K O Y Takoy. There we go. There we go. Uh, I feel like this, there's a, as if the section of the RPG community, we are part of the, we are part that looks down on power gaming. It may be covered during the discussion, but when is power gaming the better choice? Is it ever? Both are as infuriating as each other. Ha ha. 
So he's he's they're literally uh, <laughs> covering what we just talked about. But like, mm-hmm. yes, power gaming tends to get a bad rap, and I actually think that there are times for it, and there are times to sh- shut up. <laughs> well, I think it gets a bad rap in the circles we run in. I suspect there are other circles that drama game gaming gets a bad <laughs> bad rap. Right. Well, I I mean I think it comes down to like whether or not you're going to play pay, uh, Pathfinder. Like, <laughs> well, not just Pathfinder, but any F twenty game, right? Like, I mean, or even traditional game. Like you you look sure. at like, I mean D and D is not really at least classically D and D is not really set up for this because your power gaming can occur it does happen when you get to the 3.5 era of mm-hmm. D, right because there there's so many choices that you can optimize what you're doing but like it, it, you know you can um have these power gaming situations where um you've you've that i i've optimized my character to do everything right and, and as as go ahead well i was gonna say i think I think part of the problem is definitional because there's two different ways to look at this. I think there's one that is in the mechanics of the system, right? Like you play an F20 game at some, on some level, the point of the game is to get experience points, get gold to get good gear, go up and level, get more power, be more powerful. Versus, you know, a PBT gay game where you, you know, from the time you first make the character to the time you last use the character, there's a fairly narrow band of your character's power level across that compared to what it is in something else. Or a drama system where there's no appreciable power increase in it. Um, so is it... a a systemic difference between power and drama gaming or, or is it a question of they both have drama for a lack of better word that you're getting out of it, where in the power gaming side of it, it's supposed to be an escapist power fantasy. You're Superman or you're, you know, you're, you're able to do everything and that's what you're getting out of the game versus something again, I mean, you could do it in any system where you're playing somebody that's the underdog that doesn't, things don't always go well for, you know, you actually have setbacks and and you're dealing with that. So I think, I, I feel like there's, maybe I'm not well-defined it either, but I think you've got two different dichotomies going on when you're talking about that, about this power gaming versus drama game. Well, and, and I think it, I think it may, we may have, you may have struck on something there is is i think it sort of depends on the game you're playing sure as to what the definition of power versus drama gaming is right, right. and there are games like power by the apocalypse games i mean you could look at brenda wood bay right mm-hmm. where if you're power gaming to get xp and i i know that this was discussed on the discord you're power mm-hmm. gaming for this xp you're doing things you have to do things that that create drama right right where there are games that are exactly the opposite like if you are playing pathfinder and all you're doing is talking the entire game you're not advancing your power level 
I mean, the game master can rule that those are encounters and all this. I was going to say, before all the Pathfinder fans calls, bring the pitchforks and torches. Yes, we know there's a rule that says that the GM can give you XP for resolving things through talking. But that is a, 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 <laughs> a uh, that is a optional rule, right? That is an optional rule. That is not part, or even classical D and D, where your XP was how many gold coins you got. Well, and I think with D and D or like D and D is the easy one. It's the low hanging fruit to talk about with this. Like D and D is at its core a combat engine. Like Nolan was the one that actually first pointed that out to me, and it when he said it is like it makes a lot of sense to me. Now we've always added a bunch of drama to the top of it but that's something we're bringing to the system not something that the system's bringing to us i think the later versions of it are marginally better about that because you start getting the bonds and well really you get the bonds but right right. you don't there's not a whole lot there that's creating the story beyond what the game master wants to do right right? That, that there is not like this like Oh, we're having relationships, and that has tumbled into you're now my arch ne- nemesis, and we're gonna come, you know, like that's just not there, right? Right. So, but if and, and this kind of leads into uh, one of Malcolm's question is when is drama gaming not welcome as part of play, right? And I think that comes in with there are some tables and some games where it's just like we're here to bust some heads. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we're here for. And if you start like screwing with that just to be more chaotic evil or whatever, you're completely screwing with what we want to do. Well, I don't think just being being just there's a difference between interjecting drama and just being an asshole and trying to disrupt it. But I I think and maybe this goes back to the first question is there is something fun about what I call it, a, the, my introduction to it is what I call competitive pathfinder, professional competitive pathfinder. What I mean by that is you're running a Paizo module, right? You're playing in a game where you're running something published by Paizo. And if you're in a four-man party in a Paizo module and you have a DM that's rolling it fair and not just keeping you alive, you know, the Paizo fanboys may come with the pitchforks, but it is my assertion that you have to make a, at least a mostly optimized character and know how to play it. It becomes almost like a sport to get through at least the combat encounters of that Paizo module. Otherwise, they will just murder you. Well, and that's, I mean, we're talking about first edition Pathfinder, not second edition sure. Pathfinder. I played exactly one game of first edition, second edition Pathfinder, so I can't speak too much to it. But Which is one more than I have. Right. <laughs> but um, it is very much built into the idea of the way you play that game, that you have to be dialed in and optimized, and your power level has to be 9,000, or you will get crushed by the module. So I think where the drama, like to, to answer the question of like, when is interjecting the drama into a power game being the asshole move? I think it would be if you're at a table that's playing like competitive Pathfinder and you're like, well, you know what? 
and you and I have both made this character, by the way, not necessarily at that table, <laughs> but you make a character that can that is not combat effective, right? right. You bring some, you know, you, you decide, you know, I want to play the mage that is like a pacifist and won't like harm anybody or, you know, I want to play the barbarian with a 12 strength and an 18 intelligence or whatever, like which are yes. great characters that you and I would both play at another table. Absolutely. But if you bring that as the fourth character, the fourth PC to a competitive Pathfinder table, someone's going to take you in the parking lot and shank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, they're going to have some words. I, I don't yeah. know, think they're going to shank you. No. I mean, well, I, I mean, maybe not at your table. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, Florida is a different uh, thing. Okay. I got That's you. True. I got you. <laughs> the, the meth gators. You might get fed to the meth gators. Yeah. At this point, you just walk outside and melt. But, <laughs> well, I mean chuckle in arizona anyways uh, right exactly <laughs> hey at least you have it dry <laughs> oh no it's been raining all week anyways oh i'm sorry anyway <laughs> this is not full weather rpg uh, yeah well someday anyways we'll <laughs> some do, do something about that um but yeah i have definitely played like i played in this guy is like it was completely homebrewed the entire thing was homebrewed and there was the character he had designed all the characters for a bunch of other friends, but he was like trying to test this module to see how well it played with another group of people. And I basically played a passive, a pacifist in this game where I was the sniper. I was supposed to be the sniper, but I didn't know it. So, mm -hmm. so like I was supposed to be one of the most powerful characters, but I literally would never engage in combat. I would literally right. run away every time. And it was only the very last combat that I actually tried to use my thing. And I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> <laughs> and the DM was like, yes, I'm surprised you haven't used it before. He's like, well, I mean, you did a fantastic job navigating this without having to fire. I only ever had to fire one shot. <laughs> nice. So. so, yeah, I think I think the time where it's the jerk move is when you when it comes back to being a, a issue of premise rejection, basically, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, I think you can always add drama, meaning, you know, social interaction, role-playing, that kind of thing to a game. I think it's very hard if you're the only person at the table that is trying to do it because mm -hmm. you don't have anybody to bounce off of, but I don't think it's ever a jerk move unless you're doing it to the detriment of the core activity right and if that table is sitting around whether you're playing pathfinder powered by the apocalypse i don't think it matters what the system is if the drama you're trying to interject into the system is taking away from the other four people's fun and what they came there to do i think that's when you have a problem and yeah, I think that's when being a drama gamer at a table uh, is is not welcome. And it's when you know whatever play style you've got to kind of like, you can always lean one way or the other, but you have to kind of keep within the bounds of what the 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 contract of the table is to keep that well, going, right? And th and that's what happened with me. Um, you know, I when I moved down to Florida, I had been playing with, you know, Dan and all them up there playing 2E and like, we didn't really make optimized. I don't even know if you really can make an optimized 2E character beyond the most basic 
way of doing it. Without a bunch of opt- optional rules, you can't really right. do much of anything. You know, so the idea of optimizing a character for combat was kind of alien to me in a way. And I came down here and I that's when I met Bill and the group he played with was more into what I call competitive Pathfinder. And early on, I didn't have a lot of fun with it because I was trying to play it the way we used to do. And I think I was probably taken away from some of the fun from that everyone else was doing. Because there would be some guy that's like, you know, oh, you build a Delk's build two-hand fighter. That's not anywhere close to the way you should be doing it. You beta ranger. What are you doing? You know, and I kind of realized it. And I went in and I started like trying to get more system mastery for Pathfinder. Because I realized that's really what we're playing. We're trying to have some system mastery to it. And then I had a lot more fun. And I actually enjoy it. I don't enjoy running <laughs> competitive Pathfinder because, dear God, that's a lot of work. Right. But I would sit down at a Pathfinder. I'd have to brush it off again because it's been a few years. But, like, I enjoy that. Like, you're, you've created a tactical puzzle at this point that you're trying to do. And then when you're not fighting stuff, you interject your own drama into it. Right. And, and that's uh, um, kind of the getting to that like well for that especially especially pathfinder and i never quite got into this but a lot of the other people did Mm -hmm. is really trying to figure out how to solve the puzzle right it Mm -hmm. never it never uh really appealed to me to solve the puzzle of character creation such that i was really much better off in the tactical situation Mm -hmm. the tactical puzzle right um but uh, can you and this is another Malcolm? Can you combine other playstyles with players who are interested in power gaming? And I say yes, you can, mm-hmm. but you have to kind of like everybody has to have spotlight time. You kind of have to plan it a little bit. If if that's the group you got, you kind of have to plan it so that that power gamer can have their moment. Right. And, and, enough times, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you, you know, if you've got, I think, I think it's actually easier to introduce a power gamer into a group of drama gamers than it is the other way around to have one drama gamer in a power game because drama innately requires like maybe requires is putting it too strongly, but it's very hard to do. Like I said earlier, when you're the only person at the table and there's nobody to like bounce off of. But if you have a power gamer, you just need to give him a chance to be a badass every now and then. Like the spotlight becomes very easy. Give him some monster for him to wrestle and strangle to death in the street or, you know, whatever they're into. Yeah. Drama requires, I mean, you can have internal drama, right? You can have internal drama, but it doesn't, it's just like trying to, if you tried to film exactly Dune, right? Mm. Exactly Dune. If you read Dune, most of Dune is inside everyone's head. Right. right. There's there's very little that's actually like there are scenes and you can show those scenes. But like you could literally have these scenes of people just like sitting in rooms like. Just staring at a wall with staring. a voiceover going over. <laughs> right. Well, not even a voiceover. Just like if you were trying to like copy it exactly so that everybody because you just literally have these like pauses in conversation where everybody just stares at each other. Right. So right. you in the, I, I feel like in the world of role playing, you need that second uh, you need that second person, whether it's the game master or another player, to be part of that drama so that you're not just sitting there thinking to yourself. 
And that's where, you know, having having the opposite situation would be a problem. You need at least somebody else to Yeah. Like you can power gamer, one power gamer, totally I can work with that, right? One yep. drama gamer, that would be me. And then I'd be really disappointed that the rest of the table didn't want to interact with my my drama stuff. <laughs> right. Well, if your GM is a drama person or at least can switch between the power gaming and the drama person, I think you could have one player that's the drama person. But if you just have one, if it's either just the GM trying to do the drama or one player trying to do the drama without the GM to bounce off of, that's hard. Like, that's... I. That's a tough nut to crack, and I'm not sure I got an answer for that. Other than just, you know, maybe you should try, <laughs> maybe you should try to ease off of it and see if you have fun power gaming. It's frankly kind of what I did. Um, um, so, and, and Malcolm is just—he's hitting these questions. Can can drama play clash with the game where long progression occurs, such as games with long-term goals or an involved progression of the game characteristics, levels, skills, p- win points, whatever? Um, and I think that it just goes back to what we were just talking about. Basically, it's mm-hmm. the the that yes, it can, but it you have to kind of balance out. You know, the drama should feed into <laughs> the progression in some right. way, or at or at least I would put it slightly different. I would say it should not hinder the progression right. anyway. Like you can, you know, yeah, if you're waiting around having whatever when you're not in combat having your romantic you know triangle with the npcs or you know whatever and that's not good but then that gets put away in town and you go off to the dungeon and fight the hydra like that seems like it's doing what you want to do that's how you're spending your spotlight time for the right but not everyone wants spotlight time we've kind of learned over the years that it Spotlight sure. time is great, but there are people that do not want spot. They just want to kind of be part of the game, right? Absolutely. So just make sure that you, you know, if you're trying to, f- don't try to force the spotlight onto somebody. Just the top tip. Um, but yeah, that that I feel like to me, what I would do is if you had some sort of drama in town, and we're always going out of town or whatever the 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 combat section of is eventually dragging that. Com- dragging that drama into the combat you know and i know that's a bit of a trope to steal somebody's significant other and place them in danger right or the having uh something that's threatening where your drama happens right that you're you know but that to me that's basic parts of 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 um writing a story or uh, like having a story occur because role playing is about the emergent storyline right but not necessarily um but we have to kind of like do this where we're all kind of the Venn diagram of the game occurs with all of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, sorry, I was just, I was looking up what this was called for a second, but like when you're talking about where it's a problem, like in three and a half, I think it was out of book of exalted deeds. They had a, um, they had a prestige class for clerics called like an apostle of peace or something like that. I think, in fact, that is what it's called. I looked it up. I don't know why I'm acting like I don't know what it's called. It's right in front of me. But to set it up, it had a thing where, like, the not only the Apostle of Peace, but also everyone with them couldn't do violence towards anything. Now, if everybody... Sorry. 
that was bound to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're building a character, if you're building a party of the normal, you know, D and D three, three and a half murder hobos, and that's what everyone shows up for. And then some guy rolls up at the table with this thing that says, Oh no, no, not only can I not do violence, none of you can do violence too. Like that doesn't, because I think it's dramatic, you know, I think it would be fun to play this pacifist. That's where you're you're getting into a problem with it, even in a power game with levels and all that other well, stuff. Well, how, how did, uh, so I've never, I've never heard of this, but that sort of, how did the mechanic of the, that prestige class work such that you could get away with not doing violence with everyone? Because that's D&D, <laughs> violence is part of it. I'm trying to remember it and I don't like, you had all these feats and everything you had to do and by the way it gave it to you you could you could basically protect yourself you basically it was very hard to hurt the thing as i recall okay so it was sort of like you were by your piece uh, by your inner piece that was like a bubble of protection over you and anyone with you and i could see that as a um kind of a npc class Right. And I was just going to say, this is, we're getting a little off topic, but it's the problem with a lot of things that happen with D&D is they want to codify NPCs. Right. And they've gotten better about that, I have to say. I think 5e was a great step forward on that, where (laughs) it wasn't, if you want to make a cool NPC, you don't have to make a player class for it and give it to them. You can just give it powers. Right. Just was, saying that. I mean, that's the classical way of doing it. It was just during the the turn of the century, three third edition time period when you had to like stat everything was like the the manner of play. Well, I was going to say in two e we did a lot of that. Yeah, I I, mean, I think that was part of the grounding because there was nothing you weren't getting crazy powers right in two e. There was not like. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was part of the, like, oh, we're, yeah, clearly that person's a cleric of this level, sure. But they, and the crazy powers was the cleric, you know, cleric stuff yeah. that you already had. But, you know, they're just like the, the, some of the stuff where some of the things in Ironhold in our 2E campaign that we played for years and years was 2E ish. 2E, 2.5. We call it 2.5. Yeah where there were NPCs that definitely weren't statable in sure. any way, shape or form. Like, but if you think, <laughs> but if you think about our high school game, John would, I, I think, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Everything we fought, John basically statted out like they were PCs. Yes. And then he, uh, he would cheat I, if you got around it. And well, <laughs> right. Hey, I, I'm not going to criticize him for that. I mean, you know, the, it's the GM's prerogative. It's the GM's prerogative to fudge dice rolls. Sure. Rolls. Yes. But except anyway, yeah. we're, we're getting a little far. Sorry. We're getting off the topic. Sorry, he he just triggered me, and he knows it, and that's yeah. just the. Fu- <laughs> I don't want to get into that one. Anyways, um, is and Alex asks, is power gaming ever desirable in play? And I think we saw t- say yeah. that a little bit for fi- for. Uh, pathfinder the original sauce but i think that there is sometimes when you need people to step up a little bit right because yeah. if everybody's you know futzing around and you're like well the existential evil is coming 
<laughs> what are you doing about it? Like, and you can't drama your way out. Like, sometimes you got to like turn on the speed metal and you've got to go and you've got to make sure your your game you know, you've you've mastered that game enough yeah. to you know. Deal. Also, it's fun. Like I like it's a tactical game. Like people play Warhammer 40k. Like it's like a little bit of what I see, and I'm saying that as somebody that's never played Warhammer 40k. <laughs> Um, sorry, when I was young, I didn't have the money to play it. Now that I'm old and have the money to play it, I don't have the time or the painting ability, but right. we'll talk about that later. Yeah. It's a different show, a different show. We're on the fire, <laughs> but it's fun. Like it, you know, it, it's fun to have those, you know, Oh my God. Like, you know, the paladin just got laid out and like, okay, the cleric's going to work on getting him up. Meanwhile, the mage is like picking up the, big bad baddie and holding him up in the air while we can kind of recover those tactical things are fun so are or at least they're fun to me i had to learn to like them it wasn't what i came up with in 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 gaming but i think it i think it can be fun and i think even in more drama focused games introducing some of that is a good thing it's a little bit of spice you know what i mean no one no one likes listening to a monotone that's not music you want a chord right you need so, all the notes you need and and there are times when you you got to get those power chords in and you got to you got to work on it yeah. and and there are games that you don't need to necessarily do that because that's just not that game but there are large sections of role playing that that that's how it works Right. You know, and I mean, and there's like opposite ends of it. Like, I think the one in my mind, like on one end, you have hill folk. Right. I don't know how you do a big, you know, Thor Ragnarok style, like we're going to just go in and kick ass and take names in hill folk. It's just not what the game is. It barely has a way to resolve situations like that. You know, on the flip side is probably, you know, what I imagine Warhammer 40K is like. Like, I can't imagine there's really much. In, I know there's, a, for all the Warhammer people, get their pitchforks out. Yes, I know there is a Warhammer role-playing game. That's not what I'm talking about. But, like, the normal, like, moving the the minis around on the map combat thing that my understanding is is what it started with. I'm sure you could interject drama to that, like, oh, I'm a orc. <laughs> well, yeah, it, uh, you can do that, but but that, it's not what it is. But there's a whole spectrum in between those two where you can have a little bit of both, more or less of both of them. Yes, and and Meepor even says something about Hellfolk RPG, and it's like, well, we I believe we played a, a drama system. Yeah, yeah, Hellfolk is awesome. A drama system. I think we played what was it, Mars? Was the Mars drama system uh, and something Nolan had brought in? I, Nolan's role it, ran it for us twice. One was Mars, and there was another one. I think it may be. I think it may have been like the McMurdo Station game, horror game, right? But I may be wrong about that. If I am Nolan, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, I feel like you can. I feel like you would have to be like. There has to be to get to some place where you would have Ragnarok because Ragnarok does has lots of drama between the characters in order for that combat those mm -hmm. combats to occur, but you would just mostly narrate that by and you would spend your your drama points to narrate that right that, that that's kind of how that would work out I think but so so my thought on Hillfolk is it is a fantastic half of a role playing game. Mm. 
so and they they do talk about this in hill folk that if you want to ignore their procedural system back up for a minute hill folk they divide everything you can do into procedural or i think it's called drama i may have the name wrong of it so if you're interacting with somebody and you're doing some sort of social interaction it's a drama inter, it's a drama interaction if it's or it's a procedural resolution if you're trying to pick the lock punch the guy you know drive the car real fast all that and they have a very bare bones procedural system i think it involves a deck of cards to resolve it um so hill folk for prison apparently um <laughs> you have everything you need with the deck of cards that's right um but they talk about like if you don't like this procedural system you could ignore it and bolt the drama system onto whatever procedural system you like so you can take it and bolt it on to D or onto call of cthulhu or whatever else that you would like um to try to resolve that so that's kind of my thought on hill folk i think it's a very poor procedural system i think it's before you know robin laws comes over and sends me a hate mail which i would frame and put on my wall well and we could just have him on the show for his rebuttal i'm fine with that like (laughs) i think it's intentional yes and my belief is it's intentional because the idea is he doesn't want you to resolve things that way you're supposed to be resolving it through the, the drama system yes um but I think you could merge those two. If you want Thor Ragnarok, you could take D&D that, you know, lets you take your magical thundering hammer plus five of returning or whatever, fighting the goddess of death. Um, for when you're fighting on the Rainbow Bridge while the Hulk's like, you know, fighting a, <laughs> a dire wolf, a giant dire wolf or whatever. But then when you're sitting on the shore with Odin and Loki talking about your existential, you know, angst and your daddy issues, then you're making petitions and getting your petitions rejected or accepted and you move into the drama system. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's my thought on drama system. anyway. Yeah, I feel like that's um, I mean, my thoughts on superhero, it sort of mirrors my thoughts on superhero games. You look at masks, which I think might be the closest to what I think. Uh, a superhero game should be like which is it's all about your emotional state when you're doing when you're doing the procedural side of something that 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 your all the drama part of the game has led to you how or why you are going to succeed at fail at at some sort of combat situation your connections with the other characters because like let's face it spider-man if you just went with like the biggest things spider-man have ever done where he's like capable of lifting an entire train or like Mm -hmm. you know lifting a building or or like throwing something somewhere like he can't do that all the time he can only do that when the when the draw when the drama of the story is built up to where he pushes himself beyond what he is capable of in his normal super enhanced state right yeah and this is what i want in a superhero game is i want those dramas the drama game to feed into this the power game and increase that power level but it can't happen all the time so you kind of most people that make superhero games they specifically go towards this very procedural like 
you've got this much power and they're going to gain more power and you're going to keep going. And they forget the other side of comic books. And most of comic books is like, let's face it. Comic books is basically kid uh, soap operas. Like Mm -hmm. it is the equivalent of the young and the restless in spandex where they punch each other. Like every show you've ever watched that you've liked is a soap opera. Right. Exactly. But (laughs) wrestling and all that. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of um, I think that I feel like that covers uh, Hill Folk, um, and then uh, Tin Man Prime. I'd be interested whether you think power gaming and drama gaming are both primarily about the game's rules, and we kind of went into this. Like, do you think that Five E incentivizes power gaming because most of the rules of combat? Everyone in a fight, and it's very clear that it's being effectively is about MMO style tactics and class interactions. I think you meant 4E is mostly about MMO styles and tactics, but you're not far off with 5E. <laughs> I'm going to make a very rare defense of 4E on here. Kind okay. of. It's kind of a backhanded defense sure. of 4E. I think all D&D to some degree is, this is actually kind of the snake biting its own tail because MMOs are clones of d or imitating D&D, and I think D&D is imitating MMOs. Mm-hmm. I think 4E is just the one that the veneer has been shaved completely off of it. <laughs> like it just if they had called that system wow, it would have been like the perfect time to like have a property branded role playing game. But yeah, I mean, we we talked about this before uh is that 4, 4e definitely took all of you could see all the cogs and gears right yep. you could see where what they were trying to do it's not really doing much of diff i mean i think there were some things they introduced from mmos the refresh rates and some of those other things that kind of make it feel more like that button press idea of it can only happen so many times and so so on and so forth but like all that stuff sort of already existed they just codified it and gamified it in some extent, that really does kind of, you know, I don't. For me, I don't want to see that stuff, and that's why I, shoo, uh, uh, get, uh, uh, get away from that kind of game. Like, I, Pathfinder is somewhat the same idea. Is like it's, it all the gears and levers and knobs are all there. You can have the giant wall of those, and you're supposed to, you got to know which ones you're going to pull. Where I just want to do things and accidentally pull the right lever. <laughs> Well, I will make one non-backhanded compliment to 4E, which is I do think it made D&D approachable to people who only knew role-playing through video games. And I think arguably the biggest role-playing game of that type is WoW, because it's it's I see where it's relatable, where you can get in and understand it better than previous. But anyway. Right. And, and and leads to no time for dudes question, which is what is inherently wrong about playing TTRPGs like a video game? Isn't that more about knowing the type of style of play you want to and gravitate towards those like-minded people? I mean, that's that very much the sh- is... The short thing. answer is yes, you're correct. There's nothing wrong with it if that's your thing. Whatever your kink is, like as long as you've got uh, people that are into it, everyone at the table is into it and there's informed consent, go for it. Right. And and I think that there 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 isn't really anything wrong with it unless you're trampling over other people's fun. Like if you're if you're kink shaming or you're you're uh uh you know stepping on someone else's good time 
then yeah, that I think that's when it's inherently wrong. But the, I don't I don't think it's the, wrong to do it if everybody's into it. <laughs> the other thing that I will say is I do and I don't know, I'm I I I'm I think I'm getting my bias filtered out of this, but maybe not. I think if you are truly doing it like a computer game where you're, although computer games are getting better about this, where you are bounded in your choices, I ask myself why you're playing a TTRPG at that point. So, and what I'm thinking of is I'm having this wonderful experience right now with my live group of introducing somebody to role-playing that never done TTRPGs. He played video games, so he's never played a tabletop and we're playing D and D. Um, and I did a little introduction thing. I like starting spoiler. I like starting campaigns with people fighting on bridges because it gets them in and gets them rolling dice and it's something exciting. Um, and I had an NPC with them. The NPC gets knocked off the bridge and falls down into the murky mist and they, clear up the fight and uh, I'm talking to you and he's like, what do you know, like, what do we do now? He's down there. Like, and you could tell he's processing the idea that he could either go across the bridge and, you know, go face the evil wizard, or he could climb down the ravine or he could go back to town or like, there's no limit on what his options are. There's no, like, if, it, if he says my character walks off the bridge, there's no, there's no wall. There's no There's walls. no blue screen that says computer did not programmer did not program the bottom of the bridge <laughs> cannot go here. So, you know, I that would be the only thing and it's kind of based off that recent experience is if you're if you're going to that level of a role of a computer game simulation, I think you're I feel like you're leaving something on the table. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think this is the classically what we classically call railroading. Yeah, where the you got invisible walls around you, and if you built the, your own walls, like, and I've done that before, where I've gone like when I was talking about that pacifist character, like I'm literally put a wall between me and combat. Right, I'm not going to engage in that. Right, but right. I did it for a very dramatic reason, and you know, it was it was so something I was playing with. Right, but like. To, to like not just like and and I totally get that like I'm just I just want to sit down I just want to push the buttons I want to hang out with my friends I want to have a good time I want to roll the dice I want to chop some orcs or whatever you know I get that but if you're if you the thing that I think is wrong about that is you're limiting yourself because I as a monk want to run down the run down the hallway do a flip kick off the ceiling and then come down and hit. Now it effectively does the same thing, but just without describing it, right? I've just literally pushed my character forward, and he does the little thing, right. and I'm gonna just go to the next person, which is fine. Well, but it does lead to this kind of stunted effect. But what I'll say is, so you have your monk that wants to go, you know, Naruto run up the wall and whatever, and you know, ninja kick that. I see. I think that is both power gaming and drama gaming, right? Now your your drama is coming, maybe not drama, but cinematic anyway. Certainly, you know, 
and you and I have done this in our games where one of us will want to do something cool that the rules don't describe, right? And, you know, we try to liberally apply the rule of cool to it and let you do it. Um, unless it's just like totally, you know, it's kind of like a thing of like if everyone groans and goes, eh, you know, you, you're like, eh, probably not. But, you know, if you open it up to that, I think that's both more cinematic i do think it, and i even i would say it's even more dramatic because there's a reason why you're running up there and giving the ninja kick to the you know orc over the side of the wall or all that but it's also power gaming it's you know you're you're getting this escapist fantasy of being this badass ninja power running across the wall right i don't know maybe i'm Maybe no, I'm not quite landing on my target there, but no, I think I think you're I think you're right. I think that there's like there is a way of playing where you're combining both and you're trying to get and I to me I think that is the I would call that the full metal role playing experience is mm -hmm. getting the most out of the combat and the most out of the drama. And if you get if you're you're there, that's like to me that's top tier gaming right there. Mm -hmm. Is you you got like and that's why I like powered by the apocalypse stuff because i can do that so easily that it's not even funny like it's so easy for me to like put the drama on front street and the combat on front street and have them mix and have them be a, a, a jets versus sharks street gang in the <laughs> yeah well and i'm you know I, it's not a source of the serpentine deep dive, but I am very interested to see what you think of swords when we get this up and running, because it does have a lot of taking, making combat more cinematic and badass. Like, cause it's definitely, it's definitely a power game in that regard. But likewise, you have a whole slew of, systems that encourage social drama in of interacting i mean you they literally have an optional setting where you can just do away with physical combat altogether and just have social combat right so, anyway, i'm super interested in that yeah. but well, I, I mean I, that's very much like i think that was one of our complaints about playing gumshoe was the combat was a little like lackluster a little bit you know yeah like, and, and i feel like that that if they have fixed that with swords like i'm i'm in i mean i was already in but like if they fix that then like really i think that that really levels the game up into a new edition kind of thing so yeah no they this is this i would say is to trail of cthulhu like blades in the dark is to a pbta game like it clearly it's got the gumshoe DNA is clearly present in it, just like Blades in the Dark, the PBTA DNA is clearly present in it. But it's it's definitely an evolution of the system, I feel. But it and I think and the reason why I bring it up is not to like segue into a deep dive, is I think that I can readily think of, I think it's the best system I've seen that combines these two ideas that gives you a place to do the 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 drama and the you know social interaction you don't there's nothing in it that requires you to roll combat or anything like that 
you do have level advancement but like if you want to be a badass that's like ripping down buildings with your mind it definitely has that there that you can do right. so i i'm very I excited know. we should we teaser <laughs> okay uh uh morden crimson crimson this is the last question we got from the the lovely patrons uh i also discussion with players when optimization crosses the line in the power gaming I can see the argument for optimized or perhaps the term efficient characters, perhaps the simplest term you want the PCs to be able to succeed mechanically at things you imagine them capable of doing. But at what point does the creep into power gaming or p gamesmanship are there degree? Oh, wait. But at what point does the creep creep over the line into power gaming versus pow gamers gamesmanship? Are there degrees of accepted, acceptable optimization? Is it always a slippery slope to munchkinism? I mean, I feel like that's, uh, I feel like that's everybody. It's up to your table, really. But like, yeah. um, I think optimizing, it really is about what you want to get out of the game. And like we've said, like, if everybody's cool with, you being the power gamer. It's the problem with power gamer and power gaming at the table is when you start trampling over other people's fun, right. including the game master, right? Because the game master is a player. Always remember game master is a player. And if the game master is not having fun because you're literally just like, no, 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 that's all done. I, you, you spent all this time to do a thing. Sorry. You spent all this time prep time and it's, uh, I stab my finger and you're done. Okay. Yep. Now, the game master should be a fan of the players, but there is a line I feel like where the player is just running over the game master and the game master is not having fun. That I do think that where optimization and power gaming can, you know, be seen as a bit of a, a player abuse. Yeah, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with. I don't think there's anything innately wrong with character optimization. It's what you do with the optimization. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. With yes. It, of, you know, if like, I'm trying to think best example I can think of is like, if you want to play Superman, right now, I will say this with caveat. I think Superman's the least inter interesting superhero I've ever seen. But if you want to do that, you can, there's nothing wrong with wanting to play Superman. But the problem can't be is then that everything is about punching people in the face, right? You're, the game has to, or at least you have to choose not to punch people in the face if that's what you're doing most of the time. Otherwise, Batman never gets a moment to shine. About, you know, Batman shows up, Superman fixes the problem, Batman goes back to fuck off at Wayne Manor. Yeah, there's like, no reason for Batman to show up. There's no point. reason for anybody to show up other than Superman. That's right. why but, he's boring. And, and I find Superman most of the time to be really boring, but there are stories where Superman, it is really awesome. To mm -hmm. like, not just the power fantasy stuff, but like there are stories where like, and it comes from the drama. Like he right. can be the most powerful character in the, in the universe, which is basically Superman, right? But you got something like Lois doesn't mm -hmm. want to maybe wants to get a divorce because you're always away saving the universe or uh, uh, you, you have 
I think there's a story where Superman has cancer or something like that. Like, or, or there's the tiny, the tiny little city in the ship or in, in a bottle that he's trying to right. save. And he, he, other things are in danger that make Superman interesting. And that's yeah, pro- where you have to get to, or if you want to be Superman, fine, but you've got to engage on a drama level too, for me to be interested. Or to use another comic book example, if you have the Avengers, because if you think about the Avengers, by the way, I need to put a caveat here. I've never read a single comic book other than the Sandman, which just dropped and I'm very excited about. So if I've got something wrong on the Marvel lore here, I just engage with it through the movies. So don't send me hate mail um, or do whatever mm. your preference. Bring it. I'll take a mad review. Um <laughs> But like, if you look at the Avengers as portrayed in the MCU, they're all a bunch of level twenty optimized D and D characters. Tony Tony Stark is a level twenty engineer in robotics. Thor is, you know, whatever the hell, great Norse god. You know, Hulk is, you know, the epitome of the big bad basher. You know, you've got Black Widow that's the assassinate, and you know. I guess Hawkeye that, you know, has a bow, but what <laughs> the do with the bow? <laughs> he's the guy that didn't bring the, the optimized character. Right. right. His character. But he's still but, badass. He's still level 20 archer. It just happens to be versus a level 20 spy or even, you know, level 20, anything else. It's kind of like, eh, but know. the fact that they're <laughs> optimized to do their thing and do their things. Well, doesn't take away from the story. Right. I think where it would be weird is if you're going to go bring, you know, you know, uh, you know, Thor or whatever to a Pride and Prejudice movie. Like if you drop Thor into Pride and Prejudice and he's like, well, I'm going to solve all this social drama by hitting it with my hammer. I mean, I that's like, going to be weird. I feel like <laughs> Taita Waititi would, that should be Thor. His third Thor movie should be Thor Pride and Prejudice that would be well i, I <laughs> yeah um but so i think that's where like the char off thing comes is if you're you know if you're gonna do something like that and then you're suddenly making this character that's just like i'm going to solve everything with violence and i'm super optimized towards violence and that's not the game we're playing you know it that's when it becomes a problem i mean it's like 99% of all role-playing questions come resolved with two answers. Player buy-in and don't reject the premise of the game. And don't be an asshole. So, three. I mean, um, we've got 120 shows based on that idea, so I'm, I'm not... <laughs> so, you know, I think... But I think that's where... I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with character optimization. I, you know... I don't think there's anything wrong with power gaming. I think the problem becomes is when you're bringing that to a table that that's not what everyone else is on board doing. Now, I like I said, it may not be necessarily my optimal idea of fun. I want to be killing monsters and taking loot for a reason and explore that and have, you know, some ups and downs of the social and the drama. Um but if that's not your thing, like, who am I to tell you that's not fun? You know what I mean? But I, I think where it becomes a problem is just what I said. When you've got a table of people that aren't at that, 
you know, I'm going to make the most badass character I can. We're going to kill the stuff. We're going to take the loot and we're not going to talk to the, we're not going to engage with the plot at all. We're just going to, you know, the mayor comes up, Oh, help us kill the mayor. Right. You know, loot the town. Like your, your problem isn't that that player optimizes character. Your problem is, is that that player is being an asshole and not engaging with what everyone else came to the table to do. Yes. I, I, that's my take on it. But. Yeah, I, I think, you know, reje premises rejection is kind of what the heart of a murder hobo thing is, is like, I, I'm the premise of D&D is to go exploring and get loot, right? E effectively, where if you go back to town and just kill all the townspeople, you just rejected the entire the premises of the game is like you're going out and exploring and getting loot. I mean, it it, right. it it becomes this like like I said, you everybody's gotta have fun at the table, including the game master. And if you're you know just killing off the game master's NPCs for no good reason, right. like if you've got a legitimate reason to kill that dude, and you don't, I think that's more interesting. If you if there's a you know one of those like you've got the everybody's got knives behind their back situation, I, I love those, but. Uh, before they stab somebody in the front. But you have to, like, kind of figure out how to play this game. And the adversary, the old bad days when everybody's adversarial, yeah, okay, I mean, that's sort of the problem with that kind of play is because the Game Master might have set up to, like, for you to kill those people, and it's not even part of the adversarial part of the game is just they're like oh no we're killing everyone like you put someone in front of us we're going to kill you that's rejecting the game again and that's bad well, well and i will also say there's a version of this that i've seen dms do you and i have both seen dms do this where it's you've got some npc that's asking for their comeuppance from the players and then the players try to do it and Oh, all of a sudden they have 500 hit points and a, you know, Thacko of two kids ask your parents what Thacko is. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you and I have both seen that happen where it's yes. like you, you can't, you're, a, you know, I'll translate it to 5e. You're a level 17 D and D party, but you can't risk offending the bartender because it'll turn out he's, you know, a level 30 demigod or something. Right. It turns out the bartender was a god all along. Big middle fingers to everybody. Right. You guys are all dead. Roll new characters. You spent five years playing these uh, characters to get here. Right. And done. what it is for the DM is the DM is sat in their room alone and thought of this backstory. They like this bartender and they thought of it or they're tired of the party, you know, throwing their weight around. So they decide they're going to on the fly show them. Right. And, you know, so that's, you know, um, my point was, is that DMs can fall into the same thing, too, which is easier for them because they don't have to make a character sheet. They just say what they want. Right. Yeah. So, well, OK, I think that that was a, a great going. The the questions really helped this time. Uh, had some great questions from the great patrons. Really we have the best patrons. We have the best patrons. Um, they were amazing. And you. If you're not a patron, you should come over to fullmetalrpg.com and click uh, go to Patreon and support us because w with your support, we've been able to get, uh, I was able to give Paul a new microphone so he doesn't sound like he was uh, speaking through a robot's anus. So like, thank you. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, this is this is where your support really helps us move move forward and move up and uh, try to find more interesting topics. We had a whole discussion in the Patreon chat channel on the Discord that's only for patrons about AI art. And that may be a show coming up, but you missed an amazing discussion. We had a huge discussion about AI art that was really great. Because um, we got a lot of artists in the Patreon. And they, they're, I love, uh, and if you're an artist, c- come at me and uh, t- tell me you're an artist. And maybe I'll, I'll buy some art from you to use for one of our, some merch or whatever. Because if you like this show, I know you're going to make some art that is probably interesting enough for me to put on a t-shirt. I'm I'm wearing a Justin Soroy's t-shirt right now, but that's because I ran out of Full Metal RPG t-shirts. Because <laughs> I've been on vacation. Uh, yes, so uh, thank you for all your support. Thank you, Paul, for coming and hanging out and uh, talking about this subject. And we'll, uh, we'll see everybody next time. Right.